It's Saturday in the summer in Chicago. We're leaving our hotel room to go to the park. To go what? To the, to the ballpark. That's correct. That's correct. And we're walking down the hall. We have a housekeeper to our left. Would you like to say hello? <laughs> She's a little shy. This is Rebecca Smith. You're listening to Quoted, the Question of the Day podcast. It's an audio montage of on-the-spot answers to life's big questions. In this episode, we ask, what's going on here in Chicago? Earlier this month, Brian and I got ourselves to the train station and headed out for Chicago. I was attending a conference there while Brian went to baseball games and museums. After the conference, we took an extra day to go to a White Sox game and breeze through the taste of Chicago. Later, we stumbled upon Dr. Seuss's secret life as a taxidermist and a vegetarian enchilada that came with a side of steak and free drinks. We pick up after breakfast. We are about to head out of the hotel into a place that has a specific sound. Sometimes Chicago sounded like a casino. Other times a war zone with its relentless wailing of sirens and whirring of helicopters that hovered almost within reach of the crowds at Millennium Park. Black Lives Matter is trying to get our attention. Sometimes Chicago sounded like a carnival, sometimes a church. God invented us and put us on this earth. Mixed in there were the street musicians playing for change, reminding me of getting lost in Brussels as I tried to make my way to safety at the sleep well. This is not St. Paul or Minneapolis. It makes me wonder if a person would be able to identify their hometown based on a recording, sort of like the sound of a mother's voice. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> what are you doing in Chicago? I'm out here for the Taste of Chicago and with my travel group hanging out. Well, where are you from? I'm from Texas. So what are you going to see at the Taste of Chicago that you're looking forward to? Well, I've already been out there and ate and everything, so I'm just trying to tour the city, see what's out there. All right, see you. Have fun. So, okay, so now we're walking out the door. Now we're on the street. We're going to walk to the train. Yeah, it's weird to be in a town where Donald Trump's name is on the building. This is what we see, people. In addition to a bunch of uh, buses that have tourists on top of them baking in the sun. <laughs> I literally baseball team, try to get to our state championship game for a competitive top three team in the league. Anything will help. Um, what are you selling them for? For my baseball team. I mean, how much money would you like? Probably the start out today, man. One for five, two for ten, four for twenty. You buy four for twenty a day, man. You'll be the best cousin of the week. Ain't been three kids on the bus to go down there to pay for the for our twenty dollar money. I don't have a five, but I have a one. Can we just donate you a dollar? Thank you, God. We're gonna go down a block or two, and then and then we'll cut over. Okay. It's a beautiful day. For Comiskey Park. Yeah, we're gonna get a few ball walking to the 
Yesterday morning, early afternoon, I was at the Art Institute and I was wandering around the modern wing and the question I have for anybody is why do people take photos of the paintings? That's what I don't understand. Why? Where are we? What's going on? Hard Rock Hotel, I'm a doorman. Uh -huh. Keeping the drive clear of cars, making sure the traffic runs smoothly and helping guests as they need it. What's a good guest versus one that's kind of annoying? I would say, you know, just treat treat everybody with kindness, I guess. You know, it's the guests that are immediately wanting something, you know, that immediately want to get their hands on something free or if they immediately aren't happy, you know, they like voicing it. It's we're all here to help, you know, that's, that's really the only thing. So just come in and, and be open to change. If something's not the way you want it, give us a chance to fix it. Is texting an issue? Well, I mean, you do this job enough, yeah, you feel like, hey, man, I'm a person. Put it down for a second, and then we'll, we'll chat, we'll make some eye contact, and then go back to it. Did you hear that? A man in a wheelchair yells, the Boston Red Sox ain't got a half game out. What's going on? He sees that Brian is wearing a Red Sox hat, and like a lot of people do, he takes a chance to engage him, or at least nod to a certain brotherhood among fans. My name is Albert George Brooks. I need, I need, I need a dollar. Can y'all help me out, please? Real talk. Change anything. So where do you go? Where do I go? Yeah, I, I, like I stay with a friend. You stay with a friend. I stay with a friend on 87. I grew up over there. I got hit by a car over there on 87th Street, the Christmas Eve. But the thing is, my name is Albert George Brooks. I was named after my daddy's uncle, but they are no longer with me. But you know what? God got my back. That's the main thing. Do you feel like you're taken care of in this world? I'm good. I, this old leg ain't no good, though. I wish I could goddamn, I wish I could go in that mother and, 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 and take whatever's making me hurt in this leg and, and put it back on. Like a toy, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. yeah. but this thing good. I don't know what it's like with other ball caps, but for some reason, a Red Sox hat elicits a lot of comments. Usually in passing, nice hat, a woman yells on her way to catch a train. At first, I was confused by this. What are they talking about? It still can catch me off guard. Oh, yeah, I'm wearing a Red Sox hat. I could be wearing a brand new Easter bonnet and nobody would say a word. But a Red Sox hat, people say stuff. It happens all the time. So one day our mailman says, nice hat. Except this time there was no hurry to get anywhere. No pressure to keep things moving or to get out of the way. So it occurred to me to ask him, are you from Boston? And that opened things up. You're our mail carrier, right? And you're waiting for us to get a mailbox. No, we're <laughs> <laughs> gonna do that. Yeah. When I get here, I know I'm halfway. <laughs> <laughs> because I was wearing a Red Sox hat, and it, g it gave us an opportunity to chat a little bit. And one of the things that I learned when you were talking about it is your brother had played for the Red Sox, Jeff McNeely, right? Jeff McNeely. Yes. Okay, yeah, that's right. In was about '93, you said. About eight, about '88, '88, the '90. About 88 to about 96, something. He, he got into baseball and I got into masonry. So where did you guys grow up again? We grew up in Monroe, North Carolina. The Atlanta Braves and the Pittsburgh Pirates used to come in the hometown and they used to play every summer. We had a Negro League there. And oh, sure, sure. That's okay. Okay. Play ball. 
we didn't have anybody but the Atlanta Braves back then. I see. Okay. And so. So your Braves fans growing up, but then things changed once, because your brother was drafted by the Red Sox. And wasn't I, he? I went Red Sox all the way. So that must have been kind of fun when he got the call and got a chance to play for them. And yes, yeah. uh, yes, okay. he did. I, I was overseas in Mannheim, Germany, then went to Army, and he called and. and my grandfather and all that, everybody was so excited for him, especially him coming from a little small town like Monroe. So he played in the minor leagues for a while. So when did he when did he de- debut in the majors? Do you remember? I think he played in about, I want to say 89, 90. Okay, all right. Did you get to see him at Fenway? No, I didn't get, I didn't get to see him at Fenway, but I got to see him at Lynchburg and, uh, and New Haven. So you saw him in the minor leagues? In the minor leagues. Him and my grandfather. My grandfather, he was a he played back a long time in in Negro leagues, and they were just like two peas in the pod. You couldn't separate them, and he sort of well, he had a father too. We had a father too, but he took a lot of his advice from his grandfather. See, my brother Jeff. Now he he had scholarships to go to Michigan State to play football as linebacker. He was like outstanding in, oh. in, in football in high school, and, but uh, my grandfather talked him out of it. <laughs> Go Probably baseball. just as well. Go yeah, yeah. And, and I think it. I think it about off. Yeah, you know he played a pretty while, but then he tore the Rotor Cup, and, oh, and that was yeah, it. Oh yeah, that's the end of it. So who did your grandfather play for in the Negro Leagues? He, um, the Monroe, what's it called Monroe. Oh, right in your hometown. Right in the hometown. Oh, nice. Yeah, we had a semi-pro team. So that yeah, we had they had a quite few semi-pro teams, and then they used to have like Cincinnati Reds, like I said, the Atlanta Braves, and the Pittsburgh Pirates. They used to rotate. Well, we come in Doing and play something. like the barnstorming kind of stuff. And right. So what's your brother doing now? Well, he's a sister principal at the high school in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, nice. And he's over all AAU baseball in the state of North Carolina. Wow. Wow. That's So he's so he's kind of administrating and doing a little coaching right. as well, right? right. So some of it is over. <laughs> Jeff has given my son the one thing that I will always be thankful for, and that is the opportunity to play the game. When we were at a point where we weren't sure we had a place to play, Jeff stepped in. He didn't make promises. He was honest with us from day one. This is our third season with the Megastars, and told us that it was up to my son to do the work and strive to get better, and as long as we did that, he would continue to provide us with the opportunity. I don't know of any person who is more loyal to his players than Jeff. He was instrumental in allowing us the opportunity to be exposed to the showcases and tournaments that made my son better, not just as a ball player, but as a person. And he loved it. He, yeah. he, he loved it. Every summer, you know, he tell us all, like, this summer I'm gone. Yeah. And we know as soon as school's out, it's over. Mm-hmm. But he, uh, he teaches, I'm going to say, he, uh, he got instructional leads and all that. that mm-hmm. He uh, bring, the, bring a lot of kids in and, and get them started off, you know, leaving high school and try to give them the advance events more and more. And he's he doing that and he's doing a lot of uh, charity. He do a lot of charity work. Nice. So so you get down to visit him? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, time, yeah, yeah. Um, I still got my mother there. That's so. good. That's good. No? Yeah, I see him, every, I see him like every year or he comes up here. He come up here maybe, I've been up here 19 years, about every three years. So you came up here for other reasons? and Yes, as I got, uh, retired from the Army and I came here with two of my aunts trying to help help uh, a couple of her sons out. Oh, okay. And lightly and stayed up here. Nice. What did you like about it? Well, I like about it. Well, we're friendly, friendly, and uh, a little faster paced than down south. And you know, it, it was just nice. 
Cool. It turns out that Mr. Brook also wanted to talk about sports. Can I ask y'all a question? Sure. What y'all think about the Bulls? We we ready now. We got rid of the, we got rid of the troublemakers. Derek Rose stayed hurt. Noah, that's my man. I liked him, but he had a shoulder problem. Now we got the real deal. How about that? Come on over here. I need some help. Dwayne Wade, okay. Yeah, right Dwayne Wade. So we we have your Sam. Well, oh my cat's on it. I'm we're from Minnesota, and yeah, so Minnesota. oh I got a brother. So, so we have your coach, right? I got we have a your old coach. Of mine. He, he just passed. He's I don't know what happened. His his brother live in Minnesota, and what get me on that? Look, what get me on that? He had a he he get a he got a check in my he mess around, and. Man, his 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 room caught on fire, oh my and he passed away. I ain't I I knew I didn't know where he lived, but I've been over there one time. But the thing was, whatever he was drinking or whatever he was getting high for, he gone. And I know his uncle, I know his nephew, his sister, and he cussed his sister out from A to Z. Tell his sister, my daddy left this out to me. Come on, man. God just, God just put us here. No man, no, don't, 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 do your sister like that. God put us, God invented us and put us on this earth to be. And look, he was, God was walking the street with no shoes on. We got shoes on. You see what I'm saying, man? Anything else? I said, man, don't do your. Don't do your sister like that, man. You gonna cuss your and he got a son, his little son named that his name Victor Alter. And his son name is Victor Alter. Come on, man. You don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Real talk, man. And the thing is, I be thinking about it, but you know what? God don't like ugly. And he sure ain't crazy about pretty. <laughs> yeah. We're walking down to the station. It doesn't smell too bad of pee. <laughs> I associate these things with. It's actually pretty clean. Alright, so I've got a. What do you Welcome aboard Red Line on 907. Cermak Chinatown is next. That's where we Doors got the open food. on the left at Cermak Chinatown. Your safety is important. If you observe unattended packages, vandalism, or suspicious activity, inform CTA personnel immediately. Ten free rides for you to try lift for the first time. 
Sox were involved in a scandal in 1919 where they made the World Series and had several players get in trouble for throwing the World Series for for gambling money. And of course, part of the big argument was is that one of the reasons they did that is because Comiskey wouldn't give them enough money to, you know, they could make more money doing that than they could actually winning the series. It was a bad thing that those players did, but it was also set up by this owner who was cheap. You know, those guys were, I mean, they they paid dearly for what they did. Joe Jackson, who was a Hall of Fame caliber player, he was minimally involved, and so there is there is reason to believe that perhaps he should have been forgiven. But 100 years later, they're still not forgiving him. All this being a park, they're off the ice. Yeah, he, he ran the uh, he ran the White Sox back in the uh, I don't remember exactly how long he he lived, but he was part of that 1919 thing. It was the original park across the street that was named after him. Uh, that was torn down after the 1990 season, and when this was first built, they also named this after him until they started doing the commercial stuff. It's funny this this park is kind of interesting because it was built. 1990, its the first season was 1991, so it's 25 years old now. This, this all strangely, even though it's not a very old park, looks a little older than a lot of the new ones. And um, you like that feeling? Strangely, yes. <laughs> Top of the fourth inning here, the White Sox have a five-to-one lead against the Atlanta Braves. We have a gorgeous day, a nice breeze coming in. Uh, we're sitting on the first base side in the shade. Very nice, uh, lovely breeze. Good ball game. Chicks dig diamonds. You can put it on the chalkboard. T-shirts seen at the game. The story probably behind the you can put it on the chalkboard <laughs> is the longtime television announcer for the White Sox. Whenever a White Sox player hits a home run, will say, you can put it on the board. Yes.
Lincoln Park, just outside of where the Taste of Chicago is, and it's pretty hopping. The corner of Michigan and Van Buren. And we'll walk up the hill here. Is that the line to get in back there? That's what I'm worried about. If it is, I'm not sure it's worth it. What is going on? guys in, try to stay with them because you're getting all that people right. going in here, so it's getting mixed up. So I'm going to bring my guys in because they're gathering right inside here, right? Theoretically, meet you inside. We're going to follow. We're going to follow and just fall in line and keep in a group. We're just going to continue going in slowly with the group. So just keep on up and... Ron Manuel closed 50 schools to make the taste of Chicago bigger. Ron Manuel closed 50 schools to make sure that his that his banker cronies and his friends on Wall Street could make sure that teacher pensions were going to get cut. Ron Manuel attacks teachers. Ron Manuel f helps cover up Laquan McDonald's murder. Uh, I mean, for 13 months, he knew. He knew what happened to Laquan McDonald. They knew that that video existed, and they didn't do anything. Rahm Emanuel and the entire city council are just as guilty of murder as Jason Van Dyke is. This protest was in response to the brutal killings of Elton Sterling and the brutal killing of uh, Philando Castile. I mean, these were two, like, just awful, cold-blooded murders by police officers and you know whenever something happens to a police officer it's it's on black lives matter to condemn the entire any violence against a police officer but when the cops shoot and kill with impunity they 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 team up and they have a, a wall of silence to make sure that their story stays stays the same and that does not help any of us. Like, there's not, a, there's not a single person in this city that is being protected better because the cops don't talk and they don't turn in the cops that are supposedly quote-unquote dirty. But, I mean, the entire system is, is corrupt. Where do you see this going? There, there is no getting out of this as long as we live under the system that allows for this type of uh, oppression to occur. Like, we live under a system that is for and by the rich, and it's not for and by us. Like, it's, like if we lived under a system that took care of people, that made sure that people had schools to go to, that people had homes to go to every day, that people were fed. We live in the richest country in the history of the world, and we don't have our basic needs met. One in six Chicagoans go hungry every single day. That is a criminal act by the current system that we live under. So until the system that we live under changes and we have a system that is made for us,
So what is your group? Is it a religious group or I can't tell? No, we don't believe in religion. Okay. No. We the uh, real Hebrew, uh, Israel, we the Israelites. Okay. The real uh, true trolls and people of the Bible. The Negroes, Latinos, and Native Americans are the real Hebrew Israelites. If you're not a Negro, Latino, Native American, you're going into slavery. Thus saith the Bible. Somebody like your skin tone could be an Israelite. We don't know, but just just going off of your spirit, going off of your like your uh, your spirit, I could already tell you're not. You're a, you'll be considered an Edomite according to the scriptures. The earth is given to the hands of the wicked is because your people are in rulership. Yeah. Are you from uh, Black Lives Matter? No, I'm not. From? I'm from Minneapolis. <laughs> no, what, what organization are you from? I'm not from an organization. I don't yeah, represent we, anybody. Yeah, we're not giving any interviews. You want to oh. hear, hear the truth, you can just listen. Oh, okay. We're not, we're not, we'll, we'll tell you whatever you need, but we're not giving any interviews. Okay. The order just came from, from Tahar. It said no interviews, no, no radio, no organizations, none of that. All right. We're not talking. Is this the Institute of Art? Yeah. This is where uh, some people might answer your question. What was that? The question about why do people take pictures of artwork? I think it's the same reason people take pictures of Mount Rushmore. It's the same thing. I'm standing in front of this famous thing. I guess that must. That's be. what they're doing. Well, which is funny, except that you see people actually just standing and just framing, and all they're taking the picture of is the painting. Just it absolutely befuddles me. Practice looking at the world without looking at it through your iPhone. Well, yes, and especially in something as obvious as art, which we, you know that's the reason you see this the the originals is because they don't reproduce well. You know, even when people you know try to put them in books and all that other kind of stuff, you can kind of see what the pictures, but you don't doesn't you know. Wait a I guess minute. It's really not part of the memory. Is, is that the same guy that was at that show? Was that? Is that the same guy that was at the show with the guitar? No. Are you sure? Yes. Yes, definitely not. Me and Chelsea, because we It's interesting the way the corners change. Yeah. With the, I think they have a schedule or something. Constant helicopter sound. I'll be happy to have a nice cool drink in my hands. Three rides on lift. Three counts. We now service over here and Midway Airports. Fifty dollars in free credits. What is this? We're Uber's competitor, ma'am. Uh, what is Uber? No. Oh my. I don't um, know it. It's, uh, you download an uh, app on your smartphone, it's car service. Okay. It's half the price of a taxi cab. Basically, okay. you download an app, and there's literally thousands of drivers around you right now that are waiting to pick you up. It has your address. You put in where you're going to go. The driver gets a, a message to come get you. He knows where you are. You see a picture of the driver with the car and the license plate. Then they take you where you need to go. 
your credit card information and your credits are stored in the smartphone, so you exchange nothing with the driver. It's a completely cashless system. Okay. When you get out, he ends the ride. Your card is charged. You rate him on his performance. He rates you on your performance, and that's how the system works. Okay. You rate each other because what it does is it creates a system of respect. Like eBay. Like kind that. of, yes. Yeah. So so the passenger is going to behave and the driver is going to behave, you know what I right. mean? Yeah. It, you, you don't have this rudeness that you usually do in taxi cabs where they're on the phone, they're maybe smoking, uh, the car's filthy, because all of the things that keep the driver having a job is the review that you give him. Right. So if they drop below a certain amount, the car's dirty, he was rude, blah, 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 he no longer has a job. And vice versa for the passenger. The passenger's belligerent, you know, obnoxious, drunk, something like that, they're going to also get kicked off the platform. Whatever you normally pay in a taxi cab, slash that in half. That's what Uber and Lyft cost. Okay. Yeah. And then they're reliable. Oh wise. yes. Really? There's there's literally thousands. If you I don't know if you ever noticed, but if you stand here in the windshields, you'll see they'll have little uh, either U's or pink lifts. Just pay attention when you are out on the street. Okay. You'll see what I mean. In the passenger side, literally, I'm telling you, in five to ten years, there will be no taxi cabs. I was wondering. It won't exist anymore. Do the do the drivers get paid better than a taxi service? Yes. We is do. that like the point? It, the, the thing of it is, is that with taxi cabs, they have to rent those cars by the week, okay? Okay. Our, our drivers are driving their own cars that are inspected. Those drivers have the option of working whenever they want. That's the pleasure of our company. You work when you want, as much as you want, as you know, whatever. You're your own boss. Right. So basically, whenever you want to make money, you turn on your app, you know, if you're a driver. Okay. And then when a passenger needs a ride, it blings. Oh, I need to go pick her up on Michigan Avenue and... They come and get you, and you know who it is, and wow. that works. Okay. It's really neat. Well, well maybe we'll try it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I hope you enjoy it. All right, thank, thank you ah, for explaining that. So now we have uh, a, a protest marching down the street. There were a lot of police that were gathering, a lot of sirens.
it seems like a fairly small group yeah, for, for the number of police officers that are well, at the yeah, front. Man, they, clearly the had, they clearly had a permit, so. Yeah, to, yeah. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah, but do you, do you see what I mean? It's a lot of law enforcement for yeah. a few hundred people. Yeah. There's probably one officer for every ten people. Probably, yeah. Oh, sorry. I, I kind of noticed that the police started lining the street. I'm like, something's going on. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I get the sense. Like following with a paddy wagon. Let's go inside. Yeah, just for a second. Dr. Seuss? Dr. Seuss? What do you mean? Like Dr. Theodore Geisel. Dr. Seuss? Did these? Yes. Ted Geisel was a formerly trained artist and worked for a number of years in advertising. Right. So what you are seeing are reproductions of both his professional and private pieces, all released by his archive, which is all under the auspices of his widow, Audrey Geisel. Audrey has all of the originals, and they have already been bequeathed to a number of museums, but what you are seeing here are part of his midnight painting collection. And Ted, considering his... Uh, the prolific amount of uh, professional work he did. And then, of course, when we start to go into the books and all of the books that he wrote, one of his greatest respites was um, painting after midnight, painting up in his tower. And um, many of the pieces were hidden. You know, I think Ted, um, as creative as he was, and I really think uh, an amazing artist, he was really unsure about the quality of the art. He never really un knew if people were giving him an honest uh, right. kind of... Um, uh, uh, review of his compositions. So they typically hung in his private workspace or around the home. Sometimes he would use very Seussian monikers to sign his pieces as a way to maybe get true reactions to the work. You know, um, he'd ask his closest friends, oh, I just, I acquired a Strugovana. Have you heard of them? <laughs> and then he would test the waters to see if they were being honest. Um, I think each and every piece is uh, really a remarkable example of just a tremendous imagination. Uh, Ted was heavily influenced by different art movements of the periods throughout his life, and there were some periods that were really influential. Cubism, surrealism, abstraction, even earlier Art Deco, later more modern movements of art. Um, the Green Cat in the Yuliaborg Finway subway uh, is an homage to Frank Stella. Uh, if you look at the works of Frank Stella, this is very reminiscent. Okay. Um, but the collection itself uh, is a mix, of, again, of both iconic subjects from his books and then original compositions, 
watercolors, ink drawings, uh, pastel oil, and mixed media sculptural pieces. Wow. This is the Unorthodox Taxidermy Collective. Oh. And this year is, is the culmination. There were 17 sculptures that were going to be re reproduced by the archive. This year marks the last release, the 17th sculpture, oh, which is the Powerless Puffer. And he is here dead center. Um, this is from the Marine Mug Collective. Um, the Unorthodox Taxidermy I find to be quite engaging. Um, these are reanimated creatures, all from the mind of Ted Geisel. Uh, Ted was born and grew up in Springfield, Massachusetts. And just a little earlier information, his parents, his, his um, family, when they immigrated here to the States, they had a brewery in Massachusetts, and then Prohibition started. So they had to close the brewery. Now his dad was a very influential man about town, and he was given a park superintendent position. And so this allowed him full access to the zoo. And he would take his son all the time to go visit the animals. And one of the things that he was able to do was he could collect horns, antlers, beaks, shells from deceased animals. He gifted them to his son, I'm sure, to learn about nature. Um, Ted held on to these. And then in his late teens, early 20s, he started to fashion his taxidermy. And these were sculptures that were primarily paper mache, oil paint, organic matter. Um, I think, again, very Seussian. It's a term that we all use because you're not quite sure, but they have that very Seussian look about them. So what is that specifically? I think these are, well, certainly the seagoing dilemma fish, to me, looks very much like, he almost has the look of the, um, the Grinch uh -huh. or the cat in the hat. You kind of see these very distinctive facial features. The coloring, certainly, and even the eye color, because it looks kind of like the Grinch. So his eyes are orange and his coloring is... His coloring is more aquatic, these beautiful teals and blues. Um, the sculpture right there on top, the blue-green Abelard, was the first release from the archive. The tufted Gustard right next to it, the original uh, incorporated his dad's shaving cream brush, kind of an homage to his dad. So it the brush is his, the top of his head? Yes, yeah. and, and then in the original, it's his shaving cream brush. Uh, the two-horned Juberhanus here, who I think is has a very sweet face. These pieces, these more aquatic creatures, are based upon a campaign. One of Ted's biggest campaigns was for Esso Marine motorboat oil. And Ted wrote about uh, these marine mugs, these fantastic creatures of the sea. So from his illustrations, they have recreated these creatures. Um, the turtleneck sea turtles, but everyone's favorite. You'll even see it's got a little fur tail. They're wonderful. Are they, are they tremendous? I think, again, they're they're so captivating, and I, I really think these faces are so endearing and whimsical. And you know, Ted has had said that he reanimated these creatures as they wanted to be. They're, they aren't even really animals to him; they're more people because they have such character. And I'm sure they're inspired by people that he knew. Um, but I, I get a sense of that. They, I don't find them to be disturbing at all. In fact, I love them. And we have clients who have all of them. And, you know, uh, CEOs that have these in their boardroom because they're great conversation starters. Um, you know, educators, uh, pediatricians. I mean, they certainly have a very playful kind of childlike aspect, but then I think there's a real sophistication to these too because they were so 
inventively done. After Dark in the Park was actually a commission. It was the cover of a Judge magazine. Again, this kind of golden thread that just goes through all of his work. Um, you see kind of the beginnings of Ural the Turtle, the Turtle Tower there, and One Fish, Two Fish. It's kind of fun to see these little pairs. Kind of mixed together. Mixed together. <laughs> um, this piece is entitled Raising Money for the Arts. Um, Ted had talked often about the bird women of La Jolla and how when he moved out to California and, you know, La Jolla, certainly a more affluent area, he was really taken by some of the attitudes and the airs of the people that lived there. And so he would kind of jokingly call many of the women there the bird women, their plumage. Yeah, sure. um, so this was actually a really special piece. This was um, commissioned to raise money. And then when the archive did this reproduction, uh, 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 percentage of the proceeds that were garnered from sales went to support different arts programs for kids. So, you know, which is a great, certainly, uh, idea. Uh, and it just really speaks to Audrey Geisel's continued generosity in the archives as well. This is a fun piece. This is a brand new release. Uh, the Winter Spring Came Late. And it's actually an amalgam of both his childhood home and his grandparents' house, which was literally right around the corner from their house. So um, to look at pictures of the home, uh, there were two stone lions at the top of the stairs. And then of course, here's Ted's bike, just ready to go, go, go. You see the cat up in the top window. And even the stripes on that um, stained glass window are very reminiscent of the cat in the hat's hat. Okay. But the colors, and I think just all of this um, kind of scrolly detail, to me, looks very Seussian when you look at his kind of collective oeuvre and, and the, the styles in which he worked and certain kind of um, design elements. I um, rocking horse, too. Food. <laughs> do you have suggestions? Yeah, do you have, a, do you have a taste for anything in particular? I think we were going to wander until something looked good, but we like everything. Sure. So. Well, in truth, you've got everything around yeah, you. Yeah, we do. Um, Labriola behind us has great, like, thin, like really Italian-style pizza, salad, sandwiches. Um, Bandera upstairs, it's American Grill. Okay. They've got a wonderful bar, great margarita. Oh. Um, amazing <laughs> banana cream pie. <gasps> uh, but I like to go up there because they do rotisserie chicken really well, steak, fish. They've got a tremendous ahi tuna salad. Um, a little across the street and a little bit down, uh, the purple pig. It's all like tapas size plates okay. um, and everything beyond pork, but okay. kind of in that vein, just little small plates. Um, around the corner, Sayat Nova Mediterranean. Mm. Down the stairs here, Burger Bistro. Burger do burger, Bistro. beer. Wow. You know, that's great. I mean, every few feet, there's a new place to eat. These are kind of some of my favorites around the area. I think we should choose between one of those. All right. Well, we'll Take a I think I like Bandera, the entrance is just two doors down. You'll see uh, two gold doors and an escalator. There's usually a line, but it moves pretty quickly, and you can sit at the bar and oh. eat as well. So it's just great because you get a great view of Michigan Avenue from the second floor. Oh. So a lot of people wait because they want a table near the window. Oh. But, uh, no, there's a lot of food options. If you want, like, Chicago pizza, like deep dish pizza, Gino's East is down at Superior right off Michigan Avenue. Gino's East. Gino's East. East. Yeah, it, you'll see uh, Neiman Marcus is on the corner, and okay. it's right behind Neiman Marcus. Okay. You want a Chicago dog, Portillo's is down Ontario. It's a great, you know, mustard only. Right. Okay.
We needed, we needed you this morning when we were trying to find breakfast. Oh, I think it's so funny because people ask us all the time for recommendations, and we all order lunch and have been here for so long, so we know all, all the, the top spots. Okay, Brian, what sounds good to you? You want to just go upstairs? Sure. Okay. That makes it easy. Oh, my God. I just saw... What's the matter? I look terrible. It's <laughs> a little red. I don't know if you got sunburned or something, but <laughs> it looked frightening. Oh well. Oh, uh, she was nice. She was nice to me anyway, even though I looked yeah. frightening. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Do you know if they're still here? Uh, I think. Yeah, I think they got up. You think they got up? I think they just got up. Okay. I'm gonna gamble on that. That's true. Um, this is open. Could you go take our name off the list? Bandera. You don't want to sit in those flowers? People, it's just like mind-boggling. <laughs> is this is this is this a Saturday or is this the taste of the taste of Chicago? I have a feeling it is. It's Saturday in the summer in Chicago. All right. Who's here? Is it basketball this week? Is it anybody else? Um, there's also a tennis Okay. Thanks. It's basketball and taxes. We're headed. 14. 14 it is. Thank so what, what's going on with basketball? Um, there's a big college viewing basketball tournament going on this weekend. Oh, what? No, I'm going to record you. Um, a big view, college viewing basketball tournament. Viewing? What, yeah, like. What's that mean? A whole bunch of college coaches come and they watch us play. Got it, I see. <gasps> and okay. They, yeah, and so it's like we're getting scouted for basketball. What team would you want to be on if you could, you could uh, be anywhere? Um, I would go to UConn or Boise State. Come to the links. Come to the links. <laughs> What's going on here? Here's the curtain opening. <laughs> I don't know why that cracks me up. But we open up to a view of Navy Pier. It's amazing. We have a, a great view from the 30th floor at the Hyatt, room 3014. 
we have to go check out some snacks in the morning. In the meantime, I might have my third gin and tonic. Is there enough? is so sweet. He was directing me to to record the sound of the door. <laughs> and then there's that sound all hotels have, if you listen. That's the sound of like the ice machine and stuff. Oh, air conditioning. There's that, the hotels always have that buzz. It's kind of exhausting. Okay. Here's the sound of Brian pressing the button. <laughs> Do that again. Okay. I can't, it doesn't matter where I shift, so I can, but I can, if I want to pay attention, I can look over there and see what's going on, so. It's not well, that important I, I think, what I think is funny is, I thought you were shifting to be near me, like mm. close, like romantic, but you were shifting to see the TV better. I'm sorry. We're good. We're How about yourself? Right. Good. What can I get for you? Um, I didn't see a price on that. On 670. I never made it to basketball camp where coaches came to watch me. No. <laughs> I didn't make it past the seventh grade. Brian, how did it come to this? How did it come to what? <laughs> Why don't you describe what we're doing and where we are? We're at the Union Station train station in Chicago, getting ready to board a train and go back to Minneapolis-St. Paul. But we've got probably 45 minutes before they're going to start to board us. Tray comfy. Yes, very comfy. <laughs> Sitting on the floor. But, you know, we'll, we'll be all right. We won't be here too long. Can I offer you a croissant? been listening to question of the day i'm rebecca smith hey if you're curious about anything that was mentioned go to the website questionpodcast.com so if you for example wanted to compare dr seuss's paintings with frank stella i have links to both of those things right there plus a picture of my mailbox all of that at the show notes question podcast Com. So that's it, folks. Thank you for being here. And until next time, please take care of yourself. Hey, are you still there? I've got one more thing. The show in less than 200 words. Named after my daddy's uncle, he took a lot of advice from his grandfather. Childhood. Ted's bike just ready, ready to, go, to go, 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 go. Full access to the zoo. They aren't really even animals to him. Little League Baseball. College coaches come and they watch us play. Toy Rotocuff. Put it back like a toy. Strugo Jackson. Have you ever heard of him? A criminal act. A hundred years later, they're still not forgiving him. Leaving high school. Advance more and more. Strangely, yes.
closed 50 schools, hungry every single day. One in six. Cover up Laquan's murder. You rate him, he rates you. A completely cashless system, the earth is given to the hands of the wicked. Something as obvious as art. It's really not part of the memory. They had to close the brewery. In ten years, there will be no taxi cabs. Work. Charity work. Anything will help. Arts programs for kids. Nickel. Change. Anything. The Bird Women. I've still got my mother there.